Well, hello and welcome, Derek Coburn. Thank you so much for being on the Dating Advisory Board. I'm excited to have you here today. Um, to give the listeners a little bit of background, Derek is a CEO and co-founder, along with his wife, Melanie, of Cadre, an unnetworking community in Washington, D.C., serving CEOs and business leaders, and has hosted numerous best-selling authors and thought leaders at university events. He began his professional journey as a financial advisor in 1998 and has been a partner at Washington Financial Group for 15 years. Derek Derek is the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Networking is Not Working, Stop Collecting Business Cards and Start Making Meaningful Connections. Derek lives in Washington, D.C. with his fabulous wife, Melanie, two sons, and put bull named Bodie. So welcome. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, thanks so much. So can you give the audience a little bit of your background of how you got to where you are today and your kind of thoughts on like how you created Cadre? Sure, sure. So uh, like, uh, you had, like you just mentioned, I began my professional journey as a financial advisor in 1998, right out of college. And the way I fell into that occupation was I interned for a financial advisor at American Express in between my junior and senior year. And back then, including when I started, your success as a financial advisor was basically boiled down to, could you deal with the rejection that came from all of the cold calling that the job entailed? And I uh, apparently uh, was pretty good at it, so good at it, in fact, that the guy who ran the entire office had me give a presentation. I'm a junior in college, and I'm giving a presentation to all of the people who do this for their actual job for how to more effectively cold call. And so, you know, by day and, you know, by by school year, I was, uh, uh, you know, getting... By day, I should say, I was uh, when I was cold calling, I was getting shot down by predominantly by prospective clients for this financial advisor, and by night, I was getting shot down by women that I was trying to pick up when I went out. So um, I ended up making that my career, and there was just a lot more of that for the next four to five years, and eventually graduated to the point where from graduated from cold calling to the point where I started going to networking events, and I think that networking events are similar to cold calling in in terms of the ROI. I think that they are not a very good use of your time. But unlike cold calling, going to networking events, you don't have people standing you up. You don't have people slamming the phone down in your ear. And so you can go to one or two a week and meet nice people and have nice conversations and not ever step back and say like, wow, I'm really wasting my time doing this. So I started using some different strategies that would allow me to grow my network and grow my business that did not entail going to big events and ended up uh, transitioning that into Cadre back in 2011 and run it as a completely separate business. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So um, on the Cadre side, I mean, can you talk about how the group's formed and and a little bit about how you get these amazing speakers? Because I I do want to come with that in the next question, but I want to tell the listeners what Cadre is. Sure, sure. So, um, so I guess uh, I'll answer the first uh, your first question uh, here, and then I'll come to the other one. The I think that when we started it, we said, "Look, um, we are Melanie and I. We're wired as givers, and we want to show up and get to know someone, figure out how we can add value for them." And you know, Adam Grant wrote a great book called Give and Take. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. But it now it takes a look at. Um, the three types of people in the world. There's givers, there's takers, and there's matchers, okay? 
And um, part of what he talks about is if you're a giver and you're constantly surrounded by takers or you're not even bothering to identify who other givers are, you're going to burn out eventually. So we thought, hey, there are groups out there that are vetting for job title or income or you know, how much money you're going to pay, but no one is really vetting for this mindset of, are you successful enough that you can show up and focus on how you can add value for other people and not be focused on yourself? We weren't sure if it would work and we relied on a good core group of about 15 or 20 people that were in our network at the time to help us round up the right people. And, and overall, it worked out pretty well. And to this day, when I get asked, you know, how do you maintain the quality control in cadre? Uh, because I think a lot of different organizations, different types of organizations can say that. It's kind of like saying we give great customer service. Right. Uh, I think that the, the logical answer is I have the revenue coming in from my wealth management business that allows me to be indifferent to any one person's $500 a month to where if they are not showing up in a way that's contributing to other people, that's fine. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not going to be a good fit here. And I think the ancillary benefit of having two businesses going together side by side is that I can really stick to my guns in terms of who's a good client in the wealth management business, who's a good member in cadre, and in a way that I never had the courage to really do before that, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I love it. I'm so thankful to be a part of the group. I mean, I've met amazing friends and business colleagues, and it and it's true. I mean, you create your tribe, right? Your dating advisory boards and business and your personal life. Now, you know, what I think is so interesting, um, you know, what is your strategy in getting these world-class speakers to your events? I mean, you've had Daniel Pink on there, Gary Vaynerchuk, Chris Brogan, Philip McKernan. I mean, how do you cultivate those relationships? So um, kind of looked into it uh, after we had our very first university event, which featured my friend Damar Smith, who's the head of the NFLPA. Uh, I got an email on Christmas Eve from Chris Brogan, whose blog list I had subscribed to. And he said, I'm coming out with a new book. And the first five people that buy 300 copies of my book, I'll waive my $20,000 speaking fee. So I did that on Christmas Day and worked out an agreement with him for that event. And then I realized that other authors were doing this as well. Not all authors, but a lot of them who typically had anywhere from, from fifteen dollars to $75,000 speaking fees, they would leverage their speaking as a primary way for them to market their book. And they were looking, all, all these authors are looking to, to create a lot of velocity around the time their book comes out. So you couldn't go to a, an author who came out with a book a year ago and say, I'll buy 300 copies of your book. Like they don't care. They want it all to happen at once. So they get on the list. Usually most always not for ego reasons, but because most people, when they buy books, they look at the list. And that's why um, you see Malcolm Gladwell has three books that are still in the New York Times bestseller list because it just continues to, it, it stays on the list. People go to the list, they buy it. And it just, you know, it's like the gift that keeps on, on giving. And, um, so I would say that coupled with the fact that I've gone back to our speakers, a lot of the a lot of the, the people that you mentioned, and because they had a great experience at our event, they are touting it to their friends who maybe otherwise would not have done it. I went to an event called the Impresario Workshop with Seth Godin a couple of years ago, and he said whenever anybody asks him to speak at their event, he wants to know two things. The first one is whose audience. Are you relying on me to get all of my people to come or are you going to have your audience there? And two, 
tell me more about your audience and is your audience part of the talent? Because the more that you can authentically sell your audience as part of the talent, the easier it's going to be to attract the talent. And I think we've done that because whenever Jay Bear or Chris Brogan or Dan Pink sends an email to somebody that they think would be a great speaker for Cadre, they're talking first and foremost how great our members are and how great the people are there. Yeah, and you think about that's a referral, right? I mean, just like in the dating world, right? I mean, nowadays where there's so many apps, there's so so much technology, like how do you manage it? And you know, you talk a lot about time management in a lot of the sessions that you do, and you have some some. I want you to give some examples of, you know, how how you how you do it because you're busy, right? You're basically running two companies. Um, So can you just give us a you know a couple lists? or a couple apps I mean we can utilize in our personal oh sure yeah Yeah. so I would say that um, I would say that and and by the way you mentioned that it's a referral but it's also very helpful to the author that they're introducing us to right because they ideally would like to do it but I'll never forget Chris Brogan said you were the one of the five that was the only one that was probably enjoyable or a good Mm. experience for me because you never, a lot of them are really reluctant to just put that offer out there because they don't know who's going to sign up for it. Right. right? And, um, and so I just wanted to point that out in terms of apps, I would say, or, you know, contactually, I don't know if you've had anyone talk about contactually yet. Um, CEO, obviously he's V-Band, he's in cadre, he's here in DC. Um, You know, for, for me, it is the best app by far to use for staying in touch with people who are important to you. And while it has a lot of great features, mm-hmm. its core, its, uh, it, I would say its, its primary function is that you can create buckets of people. So that your buckets could be, you can call them whatever you want, but right. they could be tier one clients or, or super hot prospects or whatever you want. And then you assign a period of time, 30 days, five days, six months to where if they haven't emailed you or you haven't emailed them, you get a reminder. So it just holds you accountable. And ideally you're not getting reminders. Ideally you're doing it when you say you're going to do it. But if you, if there are people in your life or in your business that you yeah. want to be in touch with every three months and you're not, it's going to let you know about it. Yeah. Cause sometimes you have those lists or you have, you know, all these quotes that are old and say, Oh, I'm going to get to, I'll remember to do that. And what do most people do? They don't remember. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. Yep. Um, and so let's talk a little bit, let's go back to the book. Um, so give us some examples. I mean, I know one personal I will talk about and you can kind of go expand on it that you told the group to do is that you put together these groups instead of just giving tickets, right, to clients, you actually say, hey, bring a friend or here's, you know, I'm going to get four tickets to the Nats game. You can bring three people, right? And you're creating that or you're doing a, a wine tasting and you having, you know, inviting people that way. So can you give us some examples of how, how we can better network um, and grow our customer base? And I'll kind of tie it into the dating in a second. Sure, sure. So I would say that my, if I, my approach to networking is essentially the intersection of client appreciation or client service and business development. And I think there are a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and sales reps out there that sort of view them separately. I have to spend more time servicing my clients. It doesn't leave me enough time to prospect or to network or meet new people. Or I've, I've been neglecting my clients while I grow my business. And what I've found is that you can, you can bring the two of them together and and have these events or have these interactions that you can host and curate play double duty. 
So if I, if I had four tickets to a sporting event or a golf foursome, like I, I don't think I've ever just given those away. I mean, I always right. saw the value and at least I want to be there, but I would invite three clients and that was fine. And oftentimes my clients got along, but then I realized I'm not leveraging these as a way to meet new people. Furthermore, my clients would probably enjoy the experience much more if they were sharing it with their friends and their colleagues. So I started then in this example, I would go to my client and I would invite my client Mm -hmm. and then give him the other two invites to extend to people that he wanted to invite. They had a better time, and look, I have a recurring revenue. Two, both of my businesses are recurring revenue. So this is a little bit harder to justify for someone that's in the transaction business or right. someone that is, you know, selling you know thousands of widgets or or downloads that cost ten dollars a piece. But if you are in a recurring revenue business where um, January one, you know what your revenue is going to be if you keep your existing clients happy, then it makes sense all day long to invest in those experiences for your clients. But there are also a lot of little subtle things you can do without selling, without being a scumbag, without mm-hmm. like talking about your business to their guests because you never want to do that. It's going to be stepping on your client's toes that will position you for these people to eventually become clients or at least take an interest in what you're doing. Right. No, that makes sense. Now, you know, from the strategy side, right? Because you have strategies, right, that you use. Um, what would you suggest people do to create a dating strategy? I mean, do you have any steps that you would think, like, you know, cultivate or like, just because, like, you're back in cold calling, you know that people that you're going to talk to, you know your mission statement. Can you give us some examples? Uh, I think so. Um, <laughs> so one of the reasons, and and I'm going to, this is going to be very relevant to your question, but. Um, you know, one of the two main reasons why I say networking is not working. That's the question I get all the time because it's the title of my book. And my response is it doesn't work for most people because we all define it differently. If you were to ask 20 people to define the word networking, you would not only get different definitions, but you would have some people using it as an adjective, some people using it as a verb, some people using it as a noun. And I think your success when it comes to networking is directly correlated with your ability to be around people who are doing it for the same reasons as you. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about dating strategies, as yeah. a guy who's been dating my current gal for a long time, right? I've been out of that scene for a little bit. I mean, what is, you know, do you have sort of for 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 your purposes or for purpose, the purposes of your listeners, they're like a definition for what you're trying to accomplish when you're dating. Right. So, I mean, if you're trying to say, okay, just like in the business boardroom, like you're creating your dating strategy because now you are your brand, yep. right? Like you are it. So like, you know, that's going to be a good segue into this question. You know, any well, I'm not trying to, to avoid your question. Yeah, I'm, no. just, I'm just saying that when I, my dating strategy, yeah. when I was dating and yeah. not looking for a girlfriend, might not be the dating strategy of, of, of someone who's looking to get married, right? right? It'll right. be two totally different things. Yeah, no, but you're, but you're having your, your idea of how, what you're looking for, right? So that's coming up with your strategy on, you may not be looking to get married. You may just be looking to date somebody, but overall, you knowing your, your purpose of what you're trying to do and kind of using that as a, as an interesting way of, do you use it for networking? Do you find people through networking or referrals? Um, what would you say, what would you suggest doing and having them? Well, I think again, it comes back to, um, it comes back to why are you doing it? And are you having, are you not having success because you are 
interacting with people who are doing it for different reasons as you are, right? Mm -hmm. So just like if you go to a networking event, you might be there because you're looking to develop a couple of really good relationships that could develop over time. And if you have three or four conversations with somebody looking for a new job, uh, I mean, they're worthless to you, but you're just as worthless to them. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. um, in the example that I gave earlier, uh, you know, I might, it might not be a successful night for me if I run into somebody that was looking to settle down and meet Mr. Right and it wasn't successful for that person. So then I'm thinking, how can I put myself in situations and around people that might be interested in the same things that I am? Yeah, I know that. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so what, do you have any tips to go up to that hot girl in the bar? You know, I mean, how should people engage the tens? Like Melanie, how would you go up to Melanie? I mean, she's a 10,000, but how would you, how would you strategize that? You know, uh, yeah, she is a 10,000. And I would say that, um, that for me, I've always said this and I, and I, and I really believe it that I, when I look at my relationship with Melanie and the fact that I'm married to her, that I won by default, right? I didn't do anything that was super impressive. I didn't like make her swoon. I didn't like, uh, like initially, right. It was just, I wasn't as much of a, of a, of a jerk or, uh, or I didn't seem as desperate as a lot of the other guys that were coming up to her. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, and there's, I think a lot of, uh, uh, you know, this is kind of correlated almost with like you with networking and in developing relationships professionally. I mean, you get a meeting with a big potential client or you have an opportunity to meet uh, one of your favorite authors. I mean, if you're, if you're sweating and you're, you know, stuttering over your words with the, with this prospective client, or you're going up to the new author or the author that you love and you're asking the first thing that you're asking is, can I get my picture taken with you? I'm such a, I'm such a big fan. Like, they might take their picture with you, but they're never going to view you as a peer. They're never likely to view you as somebody that they want to collaborate with or maybe learn more about. So, you know, I think, you know, just from my perspective, right, I don't think that there's like a magic line. um, But I think that just being yourself, especially if they're tens, because the tens are used to having guys be uncomfortable around them and saying things that are stupid Mm -hmm. and or not going even up to them. Right. Because they're scared. They're scared. They're talking to their buddy for 15 minutes about what they should say instead of just going up and starting a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I I have one girlfriend, and she's awesome. I mean, she's just super smart, funny, pretty girl, and 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 she's like, I just don't ever get asked out. I mean, she's like, nobody comes up to me. I said, well, all the networking events we all go to, they don't come up. I'm just like, no. I mean, it's crazy to me. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know, guys, just go up to them. Just say hi, because they're probably not, you know, not expecting it. Right, right, right. Right? It's just interesting. So what are some of the craziest dating stories you've ever heard of or experienced? All right, so I will... um, I would share my like a story that uh, you might find interesting, but uh, there's a show called Eliminate that was on 10 or 12 years ago, and it was probably maybe even it was on longer. It was actually longer than that. It's probably this was 15 years ago, and I went to try out, and they did a couple of interviews with me, and they called me up. And whenever I tell this story, this the show is where it's a guy or a girl, and they're on a date with four others of the opposite sex Mm -hmm. and at each commercial break you're eliminating one until you're finally left with one that's remaining okay and i just remember this was before facebook this was before the internet but it was like i was in my like conservative i just have a 
financial advisor business and I uh-huh. have to make sure I don't say or do anything dumb on television, which is, which is pretty remarkable. I'm really happy that I did that at the time because I could have easily gone in a different direction. Right. And, um, and so whenever I tell the story, people always say like, Oh, did she pick you? And I'm like, no, I'm the one that had four girls. Um, <laughs> but I love how all my friends assume that, that I wasn't qualified to carry it all myself. So, um, so that was pretty fun. We did it at Frederick Keys baseball stadium and it was, you know, like playing baseball and pitching to them. And, um, it, it wasn't really, it didn't really become obvious how lame ours was until the last commercial break before the final segment of ours. So they're like coming up next on eliminate. And it's like guys with girls and strip, strip poles and oh, stripper poles and like hot <laughs> yeah. tubs. And it's like now back to the baseball stadium. Oh my gosh. So, uh, but that was a pretty fun experience and, and uh, you know, nothing ever came from it with, mm-hmm. with any of the girls, but it was kind of like a good, good talking point for, yeah. you know, good asset arrow, my quiver for yeah. later conversations. Oh yeah. That's good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean that, I don't know. You knew that I was on ESPN reality show years ago. Did I ever tell you uh-huh. that? Yeah. I won an ESPN reality sports show. Nice. Yeah. It was funny. It was uh it was a good time. A long time ago. It was sports related to have your ultimate, basically you sacrificed yourself for um, others um, to have their ultimate sports dream come true. So I played for one of my girlfriends and, and I won. Very I was cool. very excited about it. So, but can yeah, I, can I? Um, I wanted to 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 add on to what something I was saying okay, earlier sure. about because um, I felt like I didn't really answer your question about what makes dating successful, and I cannot remember where I heard this, but um, someone had suggested that if they were a single female uh, and they were looking to meet a great guy and settle down. That and 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 they typically go out to bars and clubs and they never like mm-hmm. the results they're getting. That they would save up a little bit of money and they would buy one share of Berkshire Hathaway stock. Yeah, and they would go to the annual the annual or you know two time a year meeting shareholders uh, meeting right shareholders meeting in Nebraska and they would just be around a lot of. It's like I think the person said it was over 80% men. They would be around just 80% men who are probably successful and are probably. Uh, yeah. responsible and doing good things with their money. I mean, obviously there's probably crazy people there too, but, uh, but I think that kind of like thinking outside of the box, yeah. right. Is probably, is probably better than just continuing to like bang your head against the wall and do the same thing over and over again, especially if it's not working. Right. You know, and think about getting on different boards around the area. So if you're in the DC area, there's tons of boards you can get involved with. Definitely. Right. And a majority, and you never know who you can meet. I mean, that's why I always say like we had, I had a conversation earlier today about you wouldn't, nowadays it's just swipe left or, you know, whatever. It's like ordering food, right? When you're on these different dating apps. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. It just looks like, I mean, they just like, oh, no, no, I don't want that tonight. I don't want to, you know, it just, it's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, you wouldn't do that in business. You wouldn't just, just like, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person, you know, that you met. I mean, it just, I don't know. I just think that the old days of the chivalry of, you know, really connecting with someone, I think those kind of days are lost. I think, I mean, you should treat your client and, a, you know, even a, potential suitor um with more a little bit more respect maybe but yeah. are you disrespecting them if if do they know that you're swiping past them no no, no but are just like not responding if they reach out to you oh, okay. like you wouldn't do that in business right you would you wouldn't want to close that door you never know where that could lead i mean it may not be a match or it may not get along at a date if you do a coffee date or whatever but you could you never know he could know someone or she could know someone and it just kind of the spider web oh yeah, yeah. i mean obviously if you meet with someone yeah yeah for sure yeah. But I also think too that um, I remember I was in a, 
I was in a situation where I forever was meeting with people with referrals or prospective clients for my wealth management business. I would have the initial meeting and initial conversation with them at their office. Okay. And, and there were a number of instances where we really hit it off. And, um, you know, we had a couple of different things in common and we didn't even talk about money. We didn't even talk about what I did, but it was great because I had built up that rapport. Right. So then I follow up and we're going to have our next meeting and they've got like $40,000 of credit card debt. They don't have the assets that are a good fit for me. But at that point, I'm kind of stuck. Right. Right. Uh, it's like, what do I do? How do I get out of this? And I didn't get out of it because oftentimes uh, I, I had already I wanted to help them because I had spent time with them. Right. So I think, you know, this is similar to our friend Marcus Sheridan. He has this term called assignment selling, which is you do get to a point. And hopefully most people get to a point when they're dating where they do get to be super selective about who they're going to talk to where, you know, this is where it'll be a little different, but assignment selling is where you're, you're sort of giving the other person who's potentially interested in you a little bit of a homework assignment before you'll meet with them. Hmm. And, um, and we use this in cadre today. Anytime we get a referral to a prospective member, uh, we're, I'm not meeting them for lunch. I'm not meeting them for coffee. I've detailed, we've laid out on our website, exactly what cadre is, exactly who it's for, what our different events look like, how much it costs. So it's, hey, great to meet you. You look like you could be a good fit. Please spend 10 or 15 minutes reviewing the website, including the cost information. And if you like what you see, use the form at the bottom to contact me and we'll schedule a call. I was having too many 45 minute phone conversations with people that ended with, now how much does it cost again? And you can never get that time back. So in my wealth management business, what I did was I just had people fill out an intake form that had check boxes and it would take them five to seven minutes. Right, thanks for your interest. Mm-hmm. Please, you know, please give me, let me know a little bit about yourself and where you're at. And that way, if they were not in a position to be a good client for me, or they had expectations that I didn't feel like we could deliver on, like, oh, we want the our portfolio to go by 20% every single year, then I did not have that attachment to them. And it was right. much easier for me to say, nah, I don't want to work with you. Right. I don't want to work with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes it seamless, right? I mean, it saves time. I mean, cut through the cut through the crap, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're just going to be spending because every time every time I imagine every time you go out on a date with somebody, every time you there's opportunity cost to that. It could be meeting other guys. It could be um, investing in your business. It could be just a right. lot of things. So, you know, I think it depends. Right. I think sometimes people don't deserve a follow up. Sometimes yeah. they do. OK. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take that. Now, what do you say to those people who get discouraged in business? Um, but I'm going to translate it into the abyss of the dating world. But I mean, you, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs. Do you ever hear a lot of feedback? Um, you know, you're just I'm just so frustrated. There's just too much going on, especially in the dating world. There's just so many apps. Like, how do you help kind of streamline and help those people on your advisory boards to not just give up? Yeah, I mean, I think um, not to, you know, not to. Now, it's not like I'm out of ideas right now, but again, I think a lot of people that are saying this um, in business and in dating are doing the same thing over and over again and not getting their results. You know, mm-hmm. we could bring this back to what we do with Cadre, right? We're bringing together givers. If givers are going around and they are trying to find ways to add value for other people's business and identify referrals for them, mm-hmm. if they're takers and they don't have that mentality, too many, like people think like, oh, I've, I've given this person two referrals and they've never given me a referral back. They, it's like, that's, they're just not wired that way. Yeah. And you're investing time into relationships that, uh, with people that are not wired the way that you are wired. So I think that being frustrated with your situation um, 
when you are being intentional about who you're spending time with and what you're doing is different yeah. than being frustrated with your situation where you're not taking a step back to say like, am I spending time with the people and at the places and at the events and at the bars that mm-hmm. uh, have the people that I want to get to know better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. No, I like that analogy. Um, Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. And um, so we have a few more minutes, but um, I wanted to you talk a little bit more of how people can get in touch with you and how they can go and grab your book on Amazon. No, that'd be great. Yeah. So yeah, they can go to DerekCoburn.com and there's a link to my book on Amazon there. Mm-hmm. And I, they can, you know, they can probably reach me on Twitter too, which is Cadre DC. And that's really, that's really it. That's awesome. So, yeah. well, yes. And if you haven't gotten it, go out there and get the book right now. It's amazing. And it will help you, help you network better. So thank thanks, you. Jen. Yeah. Thank you. It was so much fun having you here this today. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye.